welcome uh, to the Regeneration Podcast. A few things. Again, the podcast is there on podcast, Spotify. It's there on your screen and Michael Martin's mug. Merch it's on the mug. And it's also on YouTube. Um, we see, uh, Michael, we see, the, I don't know how accurate these things are, but on the podcast hosting service and on YouTube, I told you that we're still around 35% you know, ages, most all of our listeners are between 35 and like 55, and we're still kind of overridingly male. I'll be honest, if I if I if I had my wish list, I would hope to have some more women listening. Where do you think? Why do you think that's the case, Michael? Um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, afraid, I'm afraid to say. <laughs> no. I don't know. I, I mean, I know we do have women listeners because I hear we from do. them. We do, you know, quite a few. In fact, yeah. uh, our friend Lindsay is a, I mean, she's a frequent listener. And uh, Carol Johnston, as you know, I just heard yeah. from her the other day. She's she's enjoying catching up. So I don't, I mean, I don't know if I trust those analytics either to tell you the yeah, truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's again, who owns the computer and so forth. But we'll maybe yeah, we'll I have, a, we can ask Tara. Lindsay or some other, or Tara, we'll have her on and ask her um, that gets her sensibilities. Hey, Therese listens to us all the time. I mean, I know all the time. I know, I know that Lindsay Rose, who we had on two weeks ago, that she is familiar. She must have watched the interview I did with one of our guests today um, a few weeks ago, too, yeah. because she was referencing R.J. Stewart, who came up in our interview with Stephen Clark, who's one of our guests this morning, as well as um, a fan favorite and who's been on maybe five or six times, uh, Guido Preparata. And today we're going to talk about um, the underworld, Los Alamos. It's kind of where we got... I would think cut off with Stephen a few weeks ago. Uh, we had, I think his internet uh, crapped out and uh, timing it with Christopher Nolan's movie on Oppenheimer. We're talking about Los Alamos, the underworld and the bomb. And I was noticing Stephen, we're going to begin with you that um, my son's generation, they, the movie Oppenheimer came out and it, boy, it was getting a lot of attention before people saw it. But my son's 20, 23, I think now. And uh, he, his generation did not really enjoy the movie too much, but only because they love Christopher Nolan because it's all things like dark and everything. But when it came to this one about the bomb, they just didn't have, there wasn't that much interest. Um, but something I've noticed recently too, is that um, the bomb, there's a poetry here. Graham Greene had a famous essay in the tablet on, uh, you know, bringing together the, in his case, it was the Feast of the Assumption of the Virgin Mary, uh, not the Transfiguration, which the bombing often falls on. He played with th those themes. My son tells me that Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson's book, Maps of Meaning, all came from years of worrying about the nuclear holocaust, but not well, necessarily interested in the bomb. You're going to say, Michael? Yeah, well, you know, I think that's what I noticed, too, with my college students. I mean, one big difference between our generation and theirs is... We grew up in the shadow of the bomb in World War II and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, I had friends in high school whose parents had been in concentration camps. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, so, I mean, so, I mean, and people don't realize it. In fact, there are few and far between now, those concentration camp survivors. Right. There aren't too many left. And in fact, my mother, when she was in a nursing home, one of the women she typically ate lunch with 
still had the tattoo on her on her hand from and she was greek she was a greek jew she still had it from being incarcerated during the war as a little girl right so but but kids these days kids these days they just don't it doesn't register with them no and even though these cluster bombs will go into it they seem to be based with uh, depleted uranium and so forth yeah but the um so jordan peterson was worried about the the nuclear armageddon but different than the, the the interest in what they did, and I think, Stephen, I'm going to lead you off on this. They did, you know, with matter with the bomb. But I know where we did see it at that time is Emil Stern, this famous Catholic convert uh, who is a psychoanalyst, friends of Freud and so forth. He saw, because he was interested in his book, The Flight from the Feminine was a biggie. He dealt with the feminine and the unconscious. And he had to see some of these insights. Of course, Owen Barfield, he said, um, what man let loose was the forces with the bomb of his own unconscious mind. This is something that didn't seem to interest people. Flight from Women. It's a great book. Okay. Yeah. And my my son, again, going back to the movie Oppenheimer, he said all of his friends preferred the Barbie movie, which is something else. So, Stephen, Los Alamos, um, you live there. You come at the issue of the bomb from your interest in these Mexican mysteries we're talking about, from your own underworld explorations with uh, – shamans and Native Americans in and around Los Alamos and the Tuluric forces there. Uh, and, you know, your explorations of the underworld. Can you tell us, you know, a little bit about your background and your interest in exploring kind of these three related concepts and more? Uh, sure. It's hard to know where to start, but uh, you can yeah. start pretty much anywhere. And if we uh, talk long enough, we'll cover most of the points, I suppose. But uh, first of all, I have to say that even though most of us have uh, background and understanding in, uh, in Steiner's anthroposophy, I don't really identify, self-identify as an anthroposophist. I have too many problems with uh, uh, Steiner's uh, uh, approach to different things, uh, particularly things dealing with uh, events in America and as far as uh, Mexican mysteries go, I think it's an extremely unfortunate uh, characterization uh, because the essence of the real Mexican mysteries is the fact that during the time of Christ in Palestine, there was a parallel uh, uh, engagement here in the West, uh, in the Western continents uh, that facilitated uh, the entry of Christ into the planetary sphere at his death. <clears throat> and they also facilitated his resurrection. Now, why anthroposophists don't even seem to be interested in that is probably a subject for another discussion. But nonetheless, as an American citizen uh, uh, born in 1948, uh, as soon as I woke up in my body, uh, I realized something was seriously wrong uh, with uh, things on the planet. I really wasn't prepared for that and freaked me out. And so I, I decided I was going to figure out what was going on as best I could. So uh, what became apparent to me and in, in some what's pretty much available to, to anyone if they uh, research the, the, the history of things is that Two different things came together in Los Alamos to make the bomb possible. One was the European heritage of the scientists involved uh, who drew on uh, uh, impulses 
uh, all the way uh, going back to uh, uh, Volta's discovery of electricity back in the 1700s at some point. And you get to the steam engine and, and all kinds of uh, employment of, of technology uh, meant to subdue nature or liberate us from it. Uh, basically to liberate us from the, from the, from the consequences of our actions, basically. And they really piled up and uh, as we see every day, pretty much. The other half of it was the existing uh, uh, spiritual current in not just the Western hemisphere, but in that area of the four corners of the United States, the Los Alamos. Uh, I never lived in Los Alamos, but I, was, I did live in Santa Fe for 30 years, which is about 30 miles away as the crow flies. Uh, Los Alamos itself is uh, is in the middle of a of a band of what's called the uh, as the eight northern pueblos, and to a larger extent, uh, 18 uh, traditional Native American pueblo communities, which have never been displaced from their ancestral lands, which is a very important consideration considering their link to ancestors uh, and all of that. And for those two impulses to, to come together, it was a very singular occurrence. Um, uh, the Native Americans didn't have the technology to make a bomb. Uh, the Europeans did, but they didn't have the the spiritual background uh, involving the conflicts between uh, uh, progressive and retarded forces, uh, which every culture has to deal with. Uh, uh, Native Americans, Mesoamericans uh, weren't immune from human nature, but they, they knew about what, what transpired in the telluric forces, as you mentioned, the forces within the earth. Uh, European spiritual traditions are basically top down. Uh, the Native American traditions universally are bottom up. And those two came together in a unique uh, confluence in Los Alamos. And uh, there we have the bomb. Wow. In short. So Guido, give us, you know. Oops, uh, your video's off. I can't hear you. Well, you can't hear me right now? I can hear you. Okay. Can you hear me, Stephen? Stephen looks like he froze up a little uh, bit. We'll see. There oh, there he is. Okay. Guido, I have no can idea. You... Okay. <laughs> Just have, if you've been hearing me, give me a thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I haven't punched any buttons, so I'm not sure what's going on. Can you just? Oh. What do I need to do? It's. It's the CIA. It's DARPA. I can get in there. Hey, Guido, give us some <laughs> feedback on what you've kind of heard so far. So I'm going to text Stephen here. This is all good for podcast. I am unmuted. Okay. I, I'd never thought of uh, of connecting the Indians to the... Uh, Nothing here, Guido. Can you hear me? Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. I can hear you, Guido. Okay. Am I am I uh, am I allowed? You enough? you can continue. Yeah, it's I'll, I'll try and work with Stephen here. Yeah, no, I'd never. 
I never thought of uh, of the two things being uh, connected. Uh, why don't the rest of you keep talking and uh, okay. I'll wait for my sound to come up. Okay. Okay. That's the second time we've had electronic problems with Stephen. Um, go ahead, Guido. I'm sorry. No, no. Do, do you want to? Uh, yeah. Do you find so, it compelling? Yeah, yeah. I, it's interesting. I never thought those, the two things were connected. Um, I... Uh, we were there one summer. I remember I was young, very young, but I remember very vividly is was uh, we were in uh, in New Mexico. My dad was at Los Alamos. We were living in a place called White Rock, is it nearby? Okay. And um, and I remember how I was just uh, I I still have vivid memories of how staggeringly uh, beautiful the state of New Mexico is. And um, we traveled all over and uh, we saw the Pueblo, of course, and how, and uh, so anyway, I remember all that. Uh, yeah. I didn't know that, I didn't know there was a connection with the bomb, but um, as far as the, the I, I wish I were more prepared on this, What I, because I, I'd plan on reading all these things that I was hearing my father and mother talking about, all the more so as, um, I guess, uh, my mom was also involved. She worked as a translator for these scientific things in the wake of my dad's. And um, another one of these is Edward Taylor was very much. Uh, he was big he was, in the movie. Was he in the movie too? I, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Taylor was, yeah, Taylor was, I, I must have seen him several times because he came to these um, events that were organized in Sicily. They had, there's a school of, uh, school of theoretical physics there that was run by this italian that was known in uh in the in, in in the circles and my dad was his, his young collaborator and so um teller was a big presence you know teller was 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 the father of the the hydrogen bomb right the h-bomb yeah 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 anyway i mean it's um yeah like a forge of of mass murders i guess and um the only things that i recall were so there was a lot of talk about Teller. I don't remember what, what it was about, although he was kind of a flamboyant, difficult person to be around one. Yeah. And my dad and my dad mentioning Heisenberg, whom he met uh, as well when he was in old age. What do you uh, say about him? Well, he had an enormous admiration for Heisenberg, considered him one of the greatest. And uh, he said about Heisenberg that he obviously felt that whole Nazi thing just weighed very heavily on him, although everybody had tremendous respect. I don't know how I never I never heard him say anything about Oppenheimer really, and I don't know what the is the I would I don't know what the what he would have said as the value of Oppenheimer as a physicist. I mean, uh, of, of Heisenberg, he thought you know the, the the sun and moon. I don't know about Oppenheimer. I, I, I watched the movie and it was so, as I told you, so boring that I, I gave up. Uh, <laughs> even, even the fact that they tried to spice it up with some kind of a sensual actress in the movie, which not even She's that. really trendy right now, yeah. I forget her name. Yeah, no, no, the, just a gorgeous woman, but not even she was able to keep me in it. So obviously... <laughs> um, and um, so I don't know what the point of the movie was, I'm afraid to say, but you'll enlighten me on that. But I, I think it was generally this. And I want to hear about like your understanding of like even even the stuff about like matter and messing with matter at that level. But I would say 
there was a Ivan Illich once wrote a famous essay on the role of the campus minister. And it was to kind of like if somebody was starting to see through the racket of one of Mike Martin's favorite subjects, like the total fraudulence of higher ed, the campus minister was to give them bending room and then force them back in there and say, these people are all really smart, and really well-intentioned and, and <laughs> selfless. And so um, same thing I kind of got with the movie and some of our listeners could disagree is like, they told you a really kind of story that, you know, wove in lots of darkness and so forth was very portentous. The bomb scene itself at the test was wild. And, and it just wants to show you that these people are kind of good people and they had a lot of mixed feelings and continue on as it were, I think was maybe the message I took away. The, uh, the only thing that I remember uh, my dad uh, reminiscing, when well, reminiscing, dwelling on was, was Fermi, uh, Enrico Fermi. Mm -hmm. And um, how how he was um, not ambivalent, but somehow disturbed by. Um, it's funny how because it, it, it always goes back to one's uh, to one's roots. So I remember my dad at first when I first he wasn't so much shocked about Hiroshima, but I don't know how he changed over the years. Right. But he was, but he was somehow uneasy about the fact that Fermi contributed to that project. Fermi was an absolute genius. And, uh -huh. um, and, uh, and I remember my, my dad saying thing, uh, saying this, namely, whether the, the bomb had fallen on Rome would have made no difference to him whatsoever. And I guess that thought disturbed my dad, which I find it very jingoistic, really. I, I don't know. I don't want to misread him, but I mean, who gives a damn about Rome in the end? It's it's just a notion of 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 the bomb, which is abominable, whether it falls on Timbuktu or Rome or, and um, so yeah, I think that um, I don't know how much of that the movie addressed. The only the last thing I'll add is that I um, one of my daughters was showing me a TikTok about something, and it was um, a little skit about Japan. And there was these, and and one of the guys says, "Well, you know, it, it was a kind of an I don't know if it was an American girlfriend with a Japanese American Japanese boyfriend, but anyway, the punchline was, well, what about you saying the boy to the girl, the boy to the girl? What about you? I mean, you 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 you, you dropped the bomb, and and she to this day, she says, we had to, and then the skit goes on. What <laughs> Without making a ripple, not because this girl said anything that was not in the norm. It's in the norm. We had to. Every time I broach this thing, your average Westerner and American says, well, we had to. To me, yep. that's where the problem lies. Well, actually, you know, I got my sound back up here. Oh, great. I'm so glad, Stephen. Yeah. Thank you, Guido. I appreciate your comments, what I heard of them. But the, I think my Zoom decided to... to to update itself uh, okay the meeting um, anyway uh, I have to agree with you Guido uh, as a matter of fact I hesitate to say that but uh, it's true the Japanese were totally defeated they're an island nation depending on ocean transport or you know so many different things their merchant navy had been totally sunk their military navy was history and we didn't need to sacrifice a single soldier invading the island we could have just blockaded it and and waited for them to capitulate you know the bomb is not needed we just wanted to let the russians know 
that uh, that we had it and that we were prepared to use it. But uh, I'll go and thank you for that. I'll go beyond that. And it's like, you know, it's like you're in a, for me, I always say when you want to take a life, you know, if that's what you're into, if you really like mayhem and, 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 and <laughs> which, you know, I'm not going to say I respect it, but if that's what you want, I think that those people who really are keen into, you know, like your average fascist, you know, about physical <laughs> prowess mm -hmm. and all that. And those people, when the flag goes up and the heart beats faster and the eyes well up with tears. And I say, that's just great. Why don't you go in the Gobi Desert and just build yourself a bunch of cages and then have a one-on-one -on -one engagement, just kill each other in these cages, but do it the right way. Do it the right way. Mono, mono. <laughs> no, yeah, do it the right way. You're gonna take a life. You're not gonna push a button, right? You gotta Let take the guy in the eye and do it. <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta. As I said many times, you gotta be able to do it with your teeth and nails if it comes to it, and by willing to do it, expose yourself to him doing the same to you, and then mm -hmm. lock yourself up in the cage and see what happens if that's what you want. Because for me. That's the only form of combat that I accept. You may yeah. stylize it like the samurai with a sword, but if you ever read like the, uh, the literature of the samurais, it's just a, it's a celebration of the laceration of flesh. So it always comes down to the same thing. Mm -hmm. So going back to the war, it's as if you know you're fighting with one of these guys and you've he's on the floor. I mean, you, you've won. But for some reason, he's tough. He will not tap out. He will not capitulate. And so you have an option. Either you come to an understanding with him, because that's the thing that nobody says. He will not tap out. There's just no way. Why? Well, he's Japanese or whatever it is. He will just not do it. And so come to an understanding with him. So sign a truce or accept you you're the winner anyway but accept a victory not as flamboyant as the one you had planned this thing registered with no one no, no one never no right. one no one no not only will i not do that i am gonna where is it so you look outside the cage where is it that you live over there that barn is yours all your families in there uh-huh all, all your all your animals yeah everything's in there good I'm just going to go there, throw a grenade in there, kill everything, and then you'll understand who's boss. And then that's exactly what the U.S. did. Sometimes I use, even when I want to shock my Puritan friends, I say, I'm going to go in the house and I'm going to rape all the women and I'm going to make you watch. And everybody goes, oh, no, 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 you got to stop. No, that's exactly. But no, no, but you're not going to do that because the Puritans, they're, blood, they're not blood simple. You got to impress them in a different way. So, but in a way, it's always the same thing. This is what they did. So they might have not have they might have not used something really violent, you know, like sexual violence, but they definitely threw the grenade in the barn, killing everything that lived from a radius of miles. And as far then, as uh, and as far as the Puritans go, Guido, uh, yeah. we need to remember that the aiming point for the second bomb at Nagasaki was the Catholic, Roman Catholic Cathedral, which was the center of the largest Christian community in Asia. Right. So, you know, put that in yeah, your and, and they and they left <laughs> they left a sample of four cities to study the effects. This was part of the plan. And it's Curtis LeMay, right? It's it's what's called firecracker. And there mm -hmm. is 
there's such design and 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 method in inflicting pain upon your enemy that I don't know why, and I keep saying this, you know, they go on and on about the Nazis and Auschwitz, but frankly, I don't know. Is is this this is this is just right up there, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I see I That's see cool. absolutely no difference. They're different, but not different on a different level. Well, let and me so, let me switch it up. So we we also see the same thing. I mean, this the, the callous disregard of human life, even in Maui, right? I mean, so this is you don't need an enemy to 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 bring destruction to human life. You know, you don't you just need uh, an objective, right? Or a government. I shouldn't say you. I said governments don't need a reason; they need an objective. I don't know. For, yeah. yeah. I mean, in the end, it's about, you know, it's about, it's about annexation. You know, mm-hmm. your, your anthill is out there and you are, you know, just conquering a new one and you're going to mm-hmm. use any means necessary to do it. And, um, and you, and you do it. What strikes me most is the impunity with which these things are done. And we're still here talking when everything is just so patent, mm-hmm. you know, but um but again, there's 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 all these problems with the with the ego, and uh, there's the idea that we cannot liberate ourselves from this desire to dominate. There's this this there there's this constant attachment to the roots that I was talking about, like when my own father was thinking about Rome, uh, that was his concern. Rome, it seems like that. I don't know, but the, your concern should be the planet as a whole, where no matter right. where. And, so we have, I guess, there's uh, you know, the psyche is still very sick, very very sick. Yeah. Stephen, then if, you know, and bring us back, Stephen, to because we'll we'll I think we'll go into the nitty gritty and come out again. But the the notion of your sense of, you know, the underworld and this specific act and its symbolic force, you know, I think you said last time you were on or maybe it was in conversation that every time a nuclear bomb goes off, you know, there's a tear in the skin, the fabric, the very kind of a, the body of the earth. But, you know, with your research, when we had you on last time, we're even talking about these, you know, these people who take DMT and they're looking at things and, and how the underworld is kind of like worlds within worlds. It seems like in your writings, you're exploring even that in connection with the divine feminine, you know, go, go, go to that space a little bit and kind of sing your song. Oh, okay. Uh, my basic point of reference for, uh, for this uh, would be the Kabbalistic tree of life which uh, has the uh, physical world uh, as, the, as the lowest uh, sphere, and you go up through the, uh, through the, uh, through the astral or the lunar uh, sphere, then you get to the uh, threshold of, uh, of, of Mercury and Venus, uh, Hod and Netzah, and you go all the way up to uh, Keter, which is the, the divine unknown, uh, which is the, the Father God. Uh, and in the middle, there somewhere is uh, supposed to be Sophia, which is uh, hard to pin down. Uh, Sophia is called wisdom, uh, but it, it, wisdom is not really a, a person unless it's in a metaphysical sense. Anyway, she's kind of a, a ghostly presence. It's kind of like the Holy Ghost in uh, Catholic uh, theology. She's kind of there, but it's kind of everywhere too. It's kind of vague. Uh, but the Father God, man, he's he's the man. You got to watch out for him for sure, because he's 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 running everything. Uh, so it goes. Well, 
in the West, the basic paradigm is that within the depth of the planet is the mother creatrix. And she works up through uh, prior ages, prior worlds, uh, uh, just the same that Snyder described things percolating down from higher worlds. Over here, they see it percolating up from below, and that's that's the underworld. And it's just as, as rich as anything uh, above uh, in its own way. Uh, it's kind of like male and female. They aren't opposite, but they aren't the same either, and vive la difference. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, the underworld has always been taboo in Western European spirituality. Uh, that's where hell is. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, hell is a complicated subject, but it's not a place, it's a state of being, uh, which can obtain for anyone anywhere, really, although it can be conglomerated and congealed in certain areas, but certainly not within within the body of the planet, uh, even though that's the even the anthroposophical mythology about it. But it's casual and naive, and it really doesn't hold water. But here in the West, uh, uh, the, the spiritual traditions have dealt with the uh, complicated factors that uh, accrue in evolution. Uh, uh, personally, we each have our, our psychological complexes, our PTSDs, and, and it's up to us to sort it out. And it's, they're never really totally worked out at the end of the game. But you know, we come back to try again, and, and hopefully we make progress. Uh, the, the, the spiritual adepts in the West uh, knew about the, the conflicts that have happened in the, in the past biography of the planet, and they had means of, of dealing with them rather constructively. And, but those were really wiped out with the events of 1492 and all of that. Uh, even in anthroposophy, uh, the spiritual traditions of the West have been uh, wiped off the map. Steiner himself uh, stated many times that the Native American races were extinct. <laughs> it was to them yeah. literally and it's not in best <laughs> translation it was repeated repeatedly stated it the, the native americans who were wiped out by the europeans so there's no place uh in in european esotericism for considering you know what might have gone on here in the past and what is still going on because the native traditions are still alive and i've been initiated into them and they they work. It's it's how it's done over here in this mm -hmm. part of the world. No, Stephen, uh, let me ask you a question. Means, they had means for dealing with conflicts uh, within the planetary biography. And uh, if the European scientists hadn't come over here and piggybacked on oh. latent conflicts within those traditions, uh, we wouldn't have had an atomic bomb. You know, they were into mano a mano physical combat. You know, send out your hero, send out your, your most valiant warrior, you know, and we'll fight it out. And, and they had technology of, you know, to a minor extent, but their combat was person to person, you know, and uh, the whole concept of, of the bomb would have been anathema, even to the worst of the very black magicians, they, 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 they wouldn't have dreamed of such a thing. Hmm. So let me ask you a question, Stephen. Yeah. So, um, the 
speaking of Steiner, Steiner is always talking about the mysteries, right? But if we read, you know, in Greek and Roman mythology, right, you have these stories of people going into the underworld, you know, like Orpheus or whether it's Persephone or whoever happens to be, you know, uh, Aeneas in uh, the, uh, the Aeneid goes, goes into the underworld, which seems to me, from what you're describing in Native American traditions, is not the same thing, but there may be a connection and which I want, you know, I think, you know, in all those stories, right, there's a, once you go into the underworld, you don't go back the same person. You take, you know, in the case of Persephone, she takes a piece of the underworld with her, right? It's transformative. It's not theory. Right. It's experiential and, and you know it's real because you come out different. Right. Because you've, you've challenged your own double and shadow, you've passed through your psychological complexes. Maybe you've put them aside for a while. You always come back to them, but right. uh, like Barfield said, uh, the underworld is a journey into your unconscious or your subconscious. Yeah, well, that's true, but that's only the first step. Once you go through that, you enter a, a greater world, which is transpersonal, and you encounter the spirit beings, which are responsible for the formation of physical matter, uh, for the existence of electrons, for the existence of uh, the fact that you you plant a seed and out comes a tree. Um, this happens within the earth and it's where regeneration takes place. And there's no regeneration without, uh, you know, you know, uh, cleaning house first, you know, and that's dealing with your own double and shadow type stuff. And that's really kind of, no one likes to go there. It's not pleasant. and. A lot of the metaphysical junk that's out there on the internet is basically uh, avoidance, spiritual mm -hmm. bypassing. You know, yep. you confront the demons, and uh, uh, even if you lose, something remains, and uh, you know, you come back. And uh, it's 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 challenging, but it's it's a hard road and it's a deep road. But like I said, it's what's been cultivated through thousands and thousands of years of spiritual traditions and adepts, shamans, initiates that have kept these traditions alive. You enter the native ceremonies and they're experiential. There's nothing like it in, uh, in anthroposophy. It's all lectures. Now, Guido, yeah. you know, Stephen's taken a unique role, as you can hear, kind of looking at those Mexican mysteries, doing with him what he needs to do, just taking them as pointers and so forth. Your work and probably any other friend I know, you know, you you spend all night not sleeping, thinking about questions of theodicy and so forth. I there's there's you know, and especially in this area of overlap between your work, I'm thinking again with your dad and physics and what you know about that world that he was exploring, and Stephen as he speaks with, I believe, you know, my youngest son watched this lecture and other people. Stephen speaks with you know a comfortability and a sense of authority. I I still remember the last time. You were describing a shaman, Stephen. You know, it's just—it's like that guy who you would trust a child with, that guy who you'd go to for health and help. But Guido, what are you hearing? What are you hearing when Stephen speaks that ties into your your deepest interest? Because I've known you for a long time, Guido, and I, Stephen, he's got something different for me that I think sounds refreshing. You know, because he's really explored this underworld. He's speaking to me with more um, authority on that matter uh, than anybody else we've had on the show. Well, no, I, uh, I I envy him. I wish I were in, uh, initiated too in, the, in those mysteries. 
uh, it must be uh, it must be fabulous. I don't know. I uh, I don't have any of that. I'm uh, I don't know. I'm uh, so confused in a way. I'm sure Stephen is not at all. Uh, but I, I hear what he's saying. And um, but tell us about this. Uh, you say nobody wants to go there. It's a painful journey. What do you mean exactly? Uh, well, no one likes to be told they're wrong on a simple basis. Uh, am I still there? Yeah. Yep. Okay. My video just went out. Okay, okay. we see you. We see you. Okay, that's good. Um, uh, no one likes to be told uh, they made a mistake. Uh, no one likes to uh, uh, remember the fact that when when they were younger, they hadn't they had a pet and they didn't treat it well. I I had a dog. It's a, one of the most humiliating experiences of my life to recall. I just I just cringe. Uh, uh, I was unfaithful to my pet. Uh, I'm not going to get into the gory details, but it's, it's, it was a shameful episode. And I have to realize that, uh, yeah, that I was capable of that then. And I'm probably capable of that now if I let myself off the leash. Uh, you know, we're all capable of, of, of everything. Uh, we all have a little Hitler inside of us. And we all have a, a little Christ inside of us. And like the, like the shaman said, uh, uh, to the child that said, I have these wolves inside of me as a good wolf and a bad wolf. What am I going to do? And it says, it depends which one you feed. Right, right. Uh, and you never escape the, the, the curse of, of, of not being God. We're all partial beings. And that's where evil comes in. It's because we're never complete. That's why we need each other. We can't beat up on each other. Uh, These are basic life lessons, you know, they're, um, and uh, this stuff about the mysteries and everything is some highfalutin thing. It's really just learning how to live right and, and watching and uh, just watching and being attentive, just looking out the window and meditating on watching the grass grow or the clouds move across the sky can teach you so much. You know, it's a, the whole world is a, is a mystery school. It's a secret in plain sight. So, you know, I have a different point of view on all this. <laughs> it's kind of a beautiful point of view, Stephen. <laughs> Guido, but you're still, Guido, stay with this a little bit. You guys talking about this stuff is really, really interesting to me. Yeah. No, no, I, uh, no, what I, I, um, <clears throat> I agree. I, um, I resonate with uh, what uh, Stephen said. Um, I, as I said, I wish I'd, I'd, uh, I wish I'd, um, I'd been, um, in a word, approach this with a certain discipline and um and uh, and i um and i don't i know i um i still make a lot of nightmares i still have a lot of nightmares and i was reading into some kind of this gnostic literature that is that that happens when you go and you visit what they call the uh i don't know Stephen can help me with that they call these the um infra it's some kind of uh, infernal realms, and in, in, uh, so you go there when you when you roam, right at night, and um, one should be in control of one's ship when you roam. But I am absolutely not. So I suppose when you're uh, when this you're is in... like gold. <laughs> no, no, but I guess when you're an initiate, I guess they they teach you how to steer the boat, right? And um, and they teach you where to go and what you're seeing and not seeing. 
I've been reading it in, in books and I can recognize certain things, but I, um, I don't, and, and, and it's, and it's the, you know, you see in the, in the movies insidious, that's what it's about. Right. And, um, the but movie I don't, insidious after right. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't have any method or any rhyme or reason the way in which I go about. And so sometimes I'm just afraid of, 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 of falling asleep, kind of a nightmare on Elm street, because I never know where the hell I'm going to end up. But I suppose that when you dream, Stephen, you perfectly know where you're going and you can choose your destinations, right? No, absolutely not. I, mm -hmm. I don't have any skill in dream work. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, we, we, when, when, when most of us work out of a European tradition, whether we're in Europe or in America, uh, we, we learn it from, uh, from lectures or nowadays uh, YouTubes or... Uh, or we read books, you know, we're really big on books. And it's up to us to take all these little puzzle pieces uh, that have been, you know, worked over by people. And some of the pieces have gotten really mangled because some people have, have tried to jam a, a bad piece into a improper, you know, space, you know, so you're stuck with this mangled piece of jigsaw puzzle pieces and, and you're trying to make sense of it and you're trying to reinvent the wheel on, on how all this stuff fits together, well, there's no substitute for personal instruction. That's that's it. Say more. That's it. I mean, you, okay, you, yeah. you find someone who can. Oh, I see exactly what you're saying. I almost thought you were saying like being an autodidact. No, find somebody. Uh, the absolutely yeah, opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Find someone yeah, to yeah. teach you. And is. If they're a real teacher, it won't just be their own thing. They'll be working out of out of a tradition that's that has a lineage. It goes way, way back. Stuff has been sorted out, and and they know what works. And the 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 your your instructor is going to be a member of a community, and you watch them how they operate in the community, and you watch how the people in the community relate to this person. Uh, and, and it's very interesting to, to watch that go down because this person could be a, a, a vast adept. He can, there's a medicine man out of Lukatukai, Arizona. Excuse me, I'm getting cotton mouth. Lukatukai, Arizona, who cured me of 50 years of Lyme disease by taking me to the deepest underworld, uh, putting me back in touch with my original pattern and bringing me all the way back up to the point where when I came back out, I was healed and I was conscious the whole time and I wasn't taking ayahuasca or uh, any, you know, you know, funny stuff in the pipe or anything like that. I was conscious the whole time. And, but after that, he was just another guy, you know? Uh, you know, when he's off the job, he's just a regular guy. And, but yet, he carried himself with a certain kind of intrinsic authority, which, which was reflected in a, in a really easy body language. Uh, it's these kind of things that, that you recognize when people have their shit together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a different kind of thing. You're, you're immersed in a, when you encounter real teaching, it's not a teaching where you get information, you're shown things. Uh, the ceremonies are vitally important. Steiner wanted to uh, bring about the festivals, you know, and and uh, if you read what he says about it, he says they're very important. But 
Uh, they really don't amount to much. There's, they aren't transformative. They're both social gatherings. But you, you encounter a, a real ceremony that's anchored in, a, in an indigenous tradition, and that's, that's got some weight to it. It's got some heft, and, and it will, uh, if you participate in those ceremonies, uh, you, you will find out certain things about yourself that uh, are, are, are wonderful. And uh, and so you you uh, you roll with it and you see where it goes. And in the final final analysis, they always say it's up to you. Hmm. Yeah, you can take responsibility for your own life and accept the consequences and learn from them. Uh, but you can't uh, insulate yourself from reality by by books or uh, anything like that. Although once you have a certain kind of experience, you can recognize. Uh, certain things that other people have similarly experienced and tried to express in books but it's like sex you know you can you can talk about it read about it debate about it but if you haven't had it you really don't <laughs> you really shouldn't be passing on your <laughs> that's Michael's right. nodding over there <laughs> that's never played into michael's work on the roman catholic church or anything oh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't so that, that I guess that's 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 my rap on that. I still think it was so funny when around this time last year I, I was mentioning it was when I first met Greedo face to face and I'd long admired his work. It's uh and I talked to him before, but you know, it's one of the most intelligent people, uh, the most intelligent person I've ever met. And uh, we're outside this monastery in Italy, and Greedo's talking about like a ghost in his house, and what can I do about it? It was just great. It made, it made me it made me hold Greedo in even higher esteem. But like where this stuff comes together, you know, um, hearing uh, Greedo ask you that question, hearing the feedback and so forth, are uh, really wild for me. I feel like uh, very blessed to be here. Um, Michael, what's your takeaway so far? Ask a question. If um, well, there's all kinds of things. Um, yeah. But the one thing it, that keeps tapping on my shoulder, you know, and talking in terms of, of the underworld and Oppenheimer. And I, you know, and one, th one thing we haven't talked about yet is um, how many of these nuclear tests have gone down deep underground, right? And <laughs> that's, that's kind of disturbing. Well, it's kind of, you know, in a way it's out of sight, out of mind. We have to test these, we're gonna test them. So they test them deep underground. And you got to think that the elementals don't like that, right? Can't um, be good. Uh, can't there be good. were some adepts in, uh, uh, over in England uh, that were uh, uh, teachers of, of one of my teachers, R.J. Stewart, uh, W.G. Gray and Ronald Heaver, uh, both of whom uh, had very severe uh, cautions and uh, 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 warnings about the dangers of these nuclear tests. Uh, there, are, there are membranes between the worlds, just like we have our our personal skin that that, that encloses our our personal reality. And if that's uh, uh, punctured, uh, it's uh, it's a problem. Uh, these nuclear tests uh, punctured. Uh, membranes in the uh, in the biosphere of the planet, uh, which allowed uh, uh, very malignant uh, entities, uh, you know, unresolved elements within the planetary biography. Unresolved elements, interesting. Yeah, uh, uh, with within uh, to end.
enter our natural reality. Now, some of this was, was bound to happen eventually uh, through gradual, you know, alchemical, you know, transmogrification, uh, because that divine feminine energies within the earth are, I believe, rising and uh, are responsible for pushing a lot of the sludge uh, in the planetary pipes out before the water runs free, so to speak. But uh, uh, to uh, just uh, uh, do this all at once with violence, uh, as, as Guido has been talking about, the, the, the violence is, uh, is, is beyond, you know, the kind of thing that arises from personal animosity it's a it's a it's a a march towards the pit so to speak and it's not the pit of hell in the middle of the earth it's, it's the pit of our own unresolved bullshit uh and the planet has its own stuff that it has to work through too and it needs our help but not in a patronizing way but by by relating to it you know and uh and and being there with it like we are like we do with other people, uh, but the, the, those atomic bombs were just you know horrible things. There's going to be consequences uh, in terms of global warming. Even uh, there's uh, hundreds and hundreds of nuclear power plants that are built on seashores uh, because of uh, 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 you can get access to free cooling water, the free cooling water. But what happens when the oceans rise? You know as they're gonna when the Greenland ice cap melts and, you know, those big, glaci big uh, glaciers in Antarctica, you know, slide off, you know, those nuclear power plants are, are going to be, you know, inundated and talking about to rescue ourselves from, from those kinds of consequences. You know, there's never been a single, single nuclear power plant anywhere that's been successfully decommissioned, even under the best of circumstances. So, I mean, the human race is facing some gigantic problems that, uh, that, that, that we haven't even begun to, you know, you know, start thinking about. It's just too terrible. People won't. So, yeah. you know, as you reap, so shall you sow. Uh, Rito, on, on this issue, too, I, I saw you writing down some things, but, you know, talking about the nuclear power plants and all the seas, you know, you're at the same time as the movie Oppenheimer's coming out. We're seeing lots of movement in the news about a thing called cold fusion, which your your father was working on too. Mm -hmm. What does this make you think in those regards, Graham? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's strange. Uh, they say it's uh, well when it when it came out as as we all know they uh, put the kibosh on it, and for obvious reasons because apparently it was threatening all sorts of other projects, uh, energy projects that were being sponsored by governments in those days. But the rumor now is that. And so they pulled a the plug on that 20 years ago, if not longer. But apparently, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bill Gates and others are interested in it now. So it's it's coming back. Who knows? Now they're maybe they're preparing some kind of shift. And we'll, we'll have to see what they have in mind. They're preparing. Well, we something. got our best minds and our best money work on it, working on it. They'll probably figure it out at some point. But still, it's technology and it's dealing with with underworld energies that that we don't know what we're messing with. You know, we really don't know what we're messing with. Uh, it's the genie in the bottle. You know, you can let it out, Could but be. Could put be. it back in. I remember that it's it's basically like an electrolysis uh, 
process. So it's it's um, but there was there was an accident once, remember, and then it caused the victim. But it, it should be uh, in principle should be something a lot safer and uh, a lot cheaper to make. I, I remember it wasn't, uh, but I don't know the. I don't, know well, I, don't, I don't think we can reliably trust people uh, to have more energy at our disposal. I think we need to, <laughs> look, to learn how to use less rather than forcing and, 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 and okay. putting nature in a vice and just squeezing, you know, squeezing the juice out of it. It's, it's not going to have good effects. It's possible. It's, it's going to backfire. Could be. That's what I think. Could be. Interesting. So again, the uh, Los Alamos, can you tell us a little about how you, Stephen, like, can you, um, you know, you just, you use the word Los Alamos to denote exactly what, you know? It's it's a whole paradigm of militarizing science in the service of the national security state. Mm -hmm. You know, mo mobilizing the best minds to just put nature's nuts in a vice and squeeze it as hard as you can. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and then and uh, and it's, so it's in your writing, thing. that's what Los Alamos just means. Do you ever do you ever pit like the singularity of Los Alamos and kind of your personal mythos there with Our Lady of Guadalupe? That's a big theme for your work, right? Mm, she's one aspect of the divine feminine that uh, has uh, has a fractal uh, guise. You know, the, the Father God is unitary. Uh, the mother god is, is fractal and, and embraces diversity. Uh, you look at the, you know, you can you can tell you can tell uh, an oak tree by the by the shape of the leaf. Yet no two leaves are absolutely identical. You know, there's diversity, and if disaster hits, it's a it's a open source distributed uh, network. You know, there's always going to be a few uh, uh, you know outliers that uh, survive and can uh, can. Uh, uh, keep things rolling. So with with the uh, you know, and I kind of like that. I think I don't think I'm taking it too far afield. We'll we'll circle back a little bit. But I've been thinking since our previous conversation, the notion that the divine feminine is local. You know, we can associate with that with springs and so forth, local springs. But um, in the Native American tradition, see, I just don't know as much. Um, did like the Haudenosaunee have a, a divine feminine goddess that was kind of distinct from? How do you describe that? in Native American traditions, that it's this kind of local piece? Well, uh, I, I, I wouldn't really. I don't have any familiarity with that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one thing to have a universal philosophy that applies to everyone at all times, but th 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 on a practical level, it, 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 there, there's no, uh, it doesn't have any feet to stand on. There's no specificity, specificity to it. But any true teaching is, is time and space uh, conditional, you know. So you've got the. Uh, it was a big coffee table book out a number of years ago called Five Hundred Nations," describing the different native tribes and communities here in North America, and each one had its own creation myth, its own uh, spirit beings, because uh, the spirit beings would would reveal themselves very specifically to people in terms of their own language, their own community, their own uh, weather, their own music, their own food, things like this. It's all very grounded in, uh, in specifics and, uh, and it speaks through those things. So, uh, but I, I dare say that there are elements of the divine feminine, the Haudenosaunee. Mm -hmm. 
However yeah. you pronounce it, I'm not familiar with that. Oh, and Haudenosaunee would be what we used to call the Iroquois and the Iroquois Confederacy. Oh, um, right. Yep, yep, yep. But the, uh, yeah, I just I just know that, um, you know, that would be a desire working with young people. You know, they there would be a lot of, um, and it's there kind of in the Catholic tradition. You know, Our Lady of La Salette, Our Lady of Lawrence, Our Lady of this, Our Lady of that. But I was just trying to tie it back into the, we're surrounded by mostly Seneca Nation Indians and so forth. It was just a question I had. Well, the thing about, Guadalupe was that it was it was called Our Lady of Guadalupe because the image and the and the mythology of it was imported from Guadalupe, Spain. It wasn't uh, she, the Lady of Guadalupe. It just didn't arise out of the native consciousness. Uh, it was imported, but it was adopted by 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 the by by the natives as the only aspect of the conquistadors Roman Catholic faith that they could appreciate in some kind of way. So they adopted her and she became an emblem. And, and in the course of time, she's become inhabited by, uh, by either a specific or a host of you know, various uh, beings that really speak through her to people. And uh, uh, there are other uh, uh, feminine spirit beings uh, connected with the earth that are known by their native names and, and uh, that have survived in the old Mesoamerican traditions uh, all the way up to the modern ones. Right. We also see in the Catholic parlance that uh, parishes will just name themselves Our Lady of the Genesee River, Our Lady of the Lake, which is Ontario and so forth. Guido, I've also been seeing you scribble some things down. I'd be curious if you had some other questions or anything for Stephen, our guest? No, I was just, uh, yeah, I was jotting down feminine music and all that. I, um, I seldom, uh, I, I seldom think in these terms, not that I'm not aware one should, but I, um, I always wonder about, you know, Lysistrata, uh, the, uh, the play by Aristophanes where men are at war and, uh, the women says that until they, they no more weapon, sex. Yeah. No more fun. <clears throat> And um, and I wonder, so which is reasonable, and women are a lot less violent, a lot less violent than men. They kill a lot less. They kill each other a lot less. I wonder what we're not. And then now there's all this talk about womanhood and there and that. Although Hollywood is a very different idea of what that womanhood is. <laughs> it's more about, as, as somebody said, it's not a celebration of womanhood at all. It's like, let's make women, you know, trample underfoot everybody else uh you know captain marvel type of thing but um i wonder where the feminine is these days you know to rescue us from this drift um but i guess it's a very naive and completely uh improper way of visualizing things well that's that's also what i was when i began the show by saying to what extent are true and i agree with michael that you know our listenership is male it's not like that's a goal unachieved but there's, you know, there's got to be a completely different medium. Uh, Stephen and Michael on the same question. You know, where's the feminine these days? Uh, well, uh, Steiner said that, that Christ was going to come in the clouds, which is a metaphor for basically the biosphere. And if you look at the biosphere, it's all about uh, the cycle of life, uh, the, the birth, the, the, the growth, the maturation and 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 the death and the resurrection and that's that's the cycle of life that's the uh, the divine feminine in action 
And so you can find it anywhere. It's like I said, it's an open secret. That's that's my point of view. Mm -hmm. So you can meditate on clouds. You can meditate on the growing grass. Uh, anything can be a doorway through mm -hmm. to what lies behind it. And and it's a it's a, a cooperative thing between between male and female, you know, biological and spiritual levels, you know, uh, they, they uh, work together. And but, well, let me um, ask you one more question, Stephen. Like, so Guido is, you know, uh, he writes books, starting a press, thinks about, you know, uh, working with social threefolding and I'm right there with him. Michael has been trying to regenerate the festivals. He's into biodynamic farming. He's a doer. He's a doer. You and I am holding you in highest regard. You know, it, it's very practical. You would go, it has to be personal. You seem to be the person who says you got to get in touch with this first, your own underworld, you know, begin with the self. But tell me a little bit more of your, and it's not to demand anything of you that you're not already. But like, if somebody says to you that question that people ask of other people, like, what should we do? How do you answer that question? I, 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 uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the Buddha nature, that we all have the Buddha nature inside of ourselves. You can call it the Christ nature, but the, the, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of cultural context to the uh, Buddha nature, which I, I really appreciate. Uh, it's there. All a person has to do is slow down, shut up, and pay attention, uh, whether it's Zazen or, or just uh, uh, being still inside. If you if if you get quiet enough inside, if you can sit still long enough so your mind finally wears out trying to chase itself around the room of your skull, things settle down and the mud settles to the bottom and the waters become clear and you start resonating with more subtle energies and the more still and the more quiet you get, the more, uh, uh, the more a different different levels of reality start leaking in, and, uh, uh, and and you start hearing those small still voices that mm -hmm. uh, that speak with you know real authority, not you know lightning bolts and thunder, but right. uh, stillness. And there's 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 a peace in that stillness, and in that peace that you can find with a stillness meditation. Uh, I think that's the absolute bedrock for doing any other kind of spiritual work. You've got to be quiet inside. Otherwise, all that you're perceiving will just be uh, what's reflected off the, the, the mirror of your own mind. So you gotta, you got to clean that up and, and make some space inside for something else to get in there. You just can't keep piling up concepts or theories or practices. Less is more is what I would say. If we do, if we, if you reduce things to absolute essentials to the point where there's nothing left, you can sit there long enough, consistently over minutes or weeks or years or decades. Sooner or later, you know, spirituality will you know find a way in because it's knocking at the door the whole time. That's what I, what I would advise. Yeah, and I think what Stephen's describing there when he talks, especially when you when you see when you're talking about, you know, attending to the grass or how it grows and its presence and, and the same thing with clouds. I mean, that's what I've been 
I've been ratting on about that, rattling on about that for years. That's sociology. <laughs> that is sociology. And uh, and that's why, I mean, so a lot of people in sociology is an attentiveness to the divine feminine because what it is, is what you're describing in that kind of disposition, Stephen, is well, being receptive. And, and receptivity is a divine feminine quality. Yes. Yeah, yes. And, indeed, indeed, yeah, and, and I and I and, and I think if we we look around, we see, and this is precisely what is under attack, but in in our entire civilization right now, um, partially yeah, they just won't they just won't let us alone, you know? No, chasing us everywhere. Well, they won't let you be receptive. They don't want you to be quiet. I mean, that's one of the things in a the Brave New World in the the novel by Aldous Huxley is that uh. There, nobody has time to just sit. <laughs> they don't. They don't. They can't just sit there for a minute. They always have to fill it up with entertainment or other kinds of bullshit, right? And and I, but I think you really see this with, uh, I mean, the serious spiritual attack upon the feminine in trying to mechanize childbirth, for instance, or monkey around with human physiology. And you know, they're talking about. Um, implanting wombs into men, into biological men. Are you? This is this is insanity, right? But that and that's one of the things. In fact, you know, I hate to keep quoting Aldous Huxley, but that's in in Brave New World. One of the worst things you can call somebody is a mother. That's the most vile word in the lexicon in that in the world that he paints. There is mother. You know, I can't believe he said that word, right? <laughs> and that's where we are. We are at that threshold, ladies and gentlemen. Right? And you can't even say ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you can't do that. No. You know? <laughs> so so somebody's going to get right? insulted. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. So but but I think Stephen, I mean, he's more than right. I mean, that that disposition which you need to cultivate is what allows the Sophianic to shine through the creation right so it's you're not just looking at grass blowing in the wind or something or clouds moving it's it's you're seeing something come from all, like if you use a metaphor for stained glass it's like something is coming through that to illuminate it right yes mm -hmm. and 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 that's and and that in fact to rudolph steiner's credit in uh the book that christopher bamford put together called <sighs> Endless Trace. Isis Sophia, Sophia, is that what it's called? Oh, but yeah, yeah. That's, that's one of the, you know, when... when well, that's Steiner the Schifflinger gets, book, right? You know, when, when Steiner gets yeah. the Sophianic, that's what he's talking about, about, you know, that's what has to be restored. And that's why uh, Carl Jung, for instance, was really excited in the 1950s when the dogma of the Immaculate Conception was proclaimed. That he thought, all right, finally... The feminine was going to be integrated into the into the West. Well, well, good, you know, it was a hopeful thought at the time. That's not it didn't happen, but at least it was an indication of of what could or should happen. But I think you know we're at the the battle lines have been drawn, and we can see this in Stephen's life. You know, uh, before Stephen was born, where the the nuclear testing began just a few years before that. So Steve, Stephen was in the on-deck circle in the spiritual world. <laughs> it's like seeing that stuff happen as we all were, you know. And, uh, and we've just been thinking about this quite a bit recently is, and, and in fact, I was just writing this morning um, about 
and this might seem not related, but I think it is absolutely related with the, we can call it the death of romance, the death, death of courtship, which there was, a, there was a, even when I was a kid, it still was around in, in kind of a ghost sense, but it's totally absent in, for, for, from the lives of most young people now um, because everything's kind of been flattened everything is just flat because of the internet and you know whatever everything is democracy and everyone is equal everyone yeah is the same or should be yeah well yeah yeah that's right gender neutral right neutralizing everything yeah denaturing i mean seriously literally denaturing nature yeah so so yeah so that's where we are and that is the to me that is the that is the atomic bomb in the in the underworld cultural world right but, but let's face it the reason why also they've been so good at you know uh, attacking uh, and all these things that we uh we hold uh, very dear is also is also because i mean they have a great strength right what what has been done in the past um by our race in the name of differentiation of sexes and so on and the value of family and all that even when all of that was in place our record was disastrous mm-hmm. it was yeah. <laughs> and uh and so we know it is best yeah well they have a very easy time and let us not forget that the great strength of what they call now critical theory and i call it postmodern i don't call it postmodern it was I, I, I got to know it as postmodernism. It has one enormous strength that unless we address it, I mean, and this is why they go with, you know, just full force ahead, is when, you know, when they bash the white male. But, and it's funny to hear white males bashing the white male, mm-hmm. and how could they pull it off? And they did. And and the way they did, <laughs> and I've and I've written extensively about the techniques, the discursive techniques they used to make that happen, which was, you know, especially uh, we Europeans are very snotty. We think Americans are so unsophisticated compared to us. That really is a sign of complete stupidity. That's absolutely not true. And 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 there's so many ways of seeing how completely surpassed the Europeans have been, in all even if their realms linked to power doesn't matter but the greatest strength is that the white male is indeed the worst thing there is he has the worst record there is he is by far the most abominable creature despite his technique despite the fact of you know some kind of artistic masterpieces he's achieved in a variety of ways but his record is abominable no other human specimen has done the atrocities that the white one has, not on that scale, not with that method. And, and so they go with it. They run with it, and they're still running with it. And they and uh, and then with, with that, everything else. Oh, the family, but the greatest amount of crimes occurs in the familiar within inside the familiar in the familial walls, and so on and so forth. And so that enables them, that gives them a great leverage to redesign the uh the beehive as they see fit and unless we're able to counterattack on those very same planes they're going to win and they are winning they're 10 steps ahead 
So this is why, and I think I mentioned this when in further conversations we had on this podcast is, you know, I, there's all these people I'm in touch with. They, they call themselves conservative anarchists or whatnot uh, here in Europe. And, and they lament the good old days. But what good old days? There are no good old days. It was, uh, it was mayhem even before all the, the, the coming of modernity. There was not one time where things were bright, even when we had all these things, even when there was courtship. Hell, you know, knights and dames and all that. It was a time of just continuous butchery. I don't remember, just as yes, it was. And people said, no, 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 let's be sophisticated. Let's, you know, the Middle Ages were not this caricature. That, but in a way, yes, everything was. <laughs> Take the Renaissance, the epitome of Italian art. It was just punctuated by an endless, an endless effusion of blood. So, if this is the condition, if this is the situation, then we cannot lament or find deplorable that the new techno elite is taking the world into a Huxleyan nightmare. They have, they are running on solid foundations. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Guido, no, I mean, Stephen, th that was a great introduction to Guido Preparata right there. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Our, 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 our brightest and best minds and all of our tax dollars are hard at work on that that's for sure oh yeah 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 they, they oh yeah all the talent uh, they have it Lo lots of friends of mine and you know people out steiner not steiner says you know we we gotta we gotta create our own schools we gotta have our own universities i'm saying yeah, I'm sure but it's like you know they, they they've taken they they have all the talent they have all the money they, there's nothing we can do we don't even have a downstream market for those students even if we wanted to if we wanted to form them it's really it's difficult i think we have to i know when when we get together and we're past the critic you know the the, the critic the critique stage we have to think how to be if we can be operational uh, in some way uh, because for us it's it's the key it's an organizational issue at this point we just realize how powerful the enemy is and then it's really hard to acknowledge why is he so powerful in the first place in the light of everything you've been discussing so far and the, and the self-knowledge and the divine female and this and that. And again, why aren't they helping us? I don't know, but here's the situation. But even if we were to attempt a counter movement, we would have to have very clear ideas on how to organize that. And that's what I would like to see, as I've been stating many times. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'm equal to it. I'm. I very humbly say I'm. But I would like to. Maybe we should get together and see if we can, through a process of chemistry and brainstorming, as it is as it is called, if we can come up with something like that. Well, I, it's, it's part it's, of the it's problem. Part of the problem, I think, is that, and this is what Huxley's warning was, right? Is that these technocrats are trying to to create a, a utopia for them. Right. And, <laughs> and I'm not. And the thing is, we know, I mean, is your example is we know through history, you know, shit's fucked up. Um, but not everything. But not everything. Right. That, you know, in this one of the things in, in, in the Huxley book, uh, when the world controller Mustafa Mond is, is telling the, John the Savage, well, you're so you're just arguing for a world that has disease and and heartbreak and betrayal. And, and he says, yeah, I claim them all, right? Because <laughs> that's 
you know, as Stephen was saying earlier, it's part of the human condition is that exists in this plane, right? So you have to, you know, that's part of the the, the journey to the underworld is is to is to confront that, right? Right, Stephen? That's what you're saying. Um, and I think the underworld's yeah. coming to us now. <laughs> the technocratic well, the, underworld's coming to us. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're all we're all partial beings. Uh, 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 Valentin Tauberg in his meditations on the tarot, in his uh, uh, reflections on the, the card of what's commonly called the Pope, but it could be called the Hierophant. Uh, the Hierophant has, has wounds. And, uh, and the, like Leonard Cohen said, our, 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 our cracks are where the light comes in. Right. Uh, and our, our wounds are what make us reach out uh, to other people uh, and other, or just the other, the capital O, uh, you know, for for completion. Uh, Kabbalistically, it's called tikkun on a spiritual level, mm -hmm. where you attempt, as far as your own meager efforts can can contribute to to help restore uh, the integration of the world. Uh, and when you start doing that, you start having spiritual allies that that uh, that. Uh, that uh, that uh, that appreciate that, and and that keeps the the wheel of life uh, uh, rolling along. You know, gratitude, humility, appreciation. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, we all do what we can. You know, no one's gonna flip the switch and make things different. But uh, it, there's so many long long-range deep cycle currents that are moving nowadays they're all converging you know like biorhythms you know where they they all peak up or all crater on your birthday i don't know what it is but there are times when your biorhythms all collide you know so-called malignantly and you have a bad day or bad week but you you work it through but there's some kind of bad biorhythms going on with the planet now and it, I read something the other day that someone said, oh, we're passing through a, a toxic cloud in the in the galaxy, you know, it'll be over, you know, in a hundred thousand years or so, we'll come out of it, uh, something like that. But there's things going on that we have no idea. Uh, but I think we're kind of a, a an X factor, you know, as everything else in the world is kind of in a homeostatic balance until people mess it up, but we're an integral part of the world and we're supposed to help uh, integrate things. That's, that's how we're, 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 we're going to be the, the gardeners in the Garden of Eden. We were going to go around and appreciate everything and enjoy everything. And that was our role. But we thought we, were, we had to improve it or master it and, and until we relinquish the idea of control. Uh, it's just going to be, uh, uh, you know, problems amplifying themselves instead of solving themselves. And frankly, Guido, I, I appreciate what you're trying to do with threefold social order and whatever your variant of it is. And if that's your, your karmic placement, you know, then that's, you know, Godspeed. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's not mine. I'm working in other areas. And hopefully there's a, there's a, a synergy, you know, on the inner plane, so to speak, where the, everyone's uh, best efforts uh, uh, meet up, uh, you know, under, under, 
some kind of uh, care and guidance, but that's that's not known to me. And I know Michael has to leave in a little bit. Some final reflections, Guido. Yeah, no, I, as, uh, as I was uh, listening to all of this, yeah, I just wonder why we're not as, um, uh, Michael was talking about the uh, creating a utopia for them. It's not, no longer utopia. For them, it's very real. I guess, um, I don't know. And how, how come we're so disorganized uh, in front of, uh, facing? <laughs> this is, a, it kind of, it puzzles me. Because we don't want to control anybody. <laughs> That's why. Because we all think for ourselves and we all come up with something different and we don't have the <laughs> overview to put it all together. All the other people are all operating to a master plan. You know, they're all on the same page. That's how the Native Americans got, got conquered, you know. There's all chiefs and no Indians, so mm -hmm. to speak. Well, but... I, I, yeah, no, it, it, on the one hand, it's great. On the other, though, that just, you know, it opens prairies for them. And uh, it's like, it's not something to be proud, too proud of it in the end, right? Because then we suffer too as a result. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a mysterious thing. Yeah, I mean, we all, there's all this, there's all this talent, there's all this knowledge all around us, or people who don't recognize themselves as part of the system. And yet, it just fails to, you know, create a counter movement to the drift we're observing. It just doesn't. And and I, I said this, and you go to these places and you meet people, and there's there's the agriculturalist, there's the the, the the beekeeper, and everybody is amazing. But for some reason, it's these isolated realities that gravitate in a world of uh, privilege. Most of them, like the Stein, like the anthroposophist, there's this upper bourgeoisie, right? I mean, I, I hate the term bourgeoisie, call it upper class, but works. Yeah, the, everybody's in his cocoon, and in the cocoon you look great. But the cocoon is an extension of the of the beehive, and so of 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 the main hive. And so, in the end, I wonder, what's the point if you're still part of that? I don't know. It just goes it goes back to the question of, uh, you know, or the question of younger. Uh, the, how do you survive inside this mechanized beehive? And he wrote that amazing novel, uh, I, miss, I don't know how to pronounce it, which is one of his latest novels in the, in the 1970s, where the protagonist is a cupbearer. You're the cupbearer to the tyrant. And this guy is kind of really on his guard. He's afraid of the tyrant, but he serves him kind of like and he calls that the anarch not the anarchist but the but i'm thinking that's very clever but yeah what does that mean anyway we yeah. cup bears or cup bears to the to to the tyrants mm -hmm. so obviously it didn't solve the problem but what are well, what how are about we how about this then yeah like so what we're going to do michael's going to have to leave i want to i was interested in getting Guido and Steven together again. And I, th I think we're going to do this again, too, because I think, you know, even Guido, you could help me formulate some of these conversations again. So we gather this group and go at that level. And Steven, you're willing to come back, aren't you, friend? Sure. Absolutely. So sure. thank you, everybody. I think, you know, this this hit a really neat kind of uh, segue point because, um, I you know, I've been with Guido on this kind of long march and everything. And uh you two getting together has been as for me as enlightening as I I knew it would, and I knew Michael was going to be very much so. So uh, Michael, you go you can go peace out. But we uh 
We're going to see everybody next week. Uh, we've got a couple of subjects coming up. And Guido and Stephen, thanks so much for being on the Thank Regeneration you. Podcast. Yep. Thank you. Take guys. it easy. Yep. Fun being here. Thank you. Both of you. Yeah. Bye. Bye.